Welcome to another episode of the My Creative District podcast, where we discuss how to channel your creative power into building the life you want, building the business you want, and making the impact you want. We believe creatives can live out a passionate and fulfilled life when they completely embrace their unique design and purpose. Want to turn your passion into profit? Stay tuned to hear from industry professionals, paradigm shifters, and world changers who have done just that and live it every day. This is the My Creative District podcast with your host, Jesse Paul Smith. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today I am interviewing Josh Tapp and we're going to be discussing how he has built his businesses through partnerships, but before we begin, I want to remind you that My Creative District and Worldwide Dance Challenge has just reopened enrollment for the Worldwide Dance Academy. If you know anyone that would be interested in learning how to dance from instructors across the world, right in the comfort of their own home, have them visit WorldwideDanceChallenge.com forward slash academy to learn more. Now, I am super excited for today's chat because I'm interviewing Josh Tapp and he is going to be talking about how he's built businesses through partnerships. Now, just to give you a little background on who he is, he's worked with over 500 companies to develop marketing strategies. He's got a top rated Apple iTunes podcast. He's worked with entrepreneurs like John Lee Dumas. He's worked with Steve Sims, Alvin Brooks from BuzzSpot. And uh, he has just done a lot of cool things and uh, a lot of that has come from also him owning five companies. So uh, if you are a creative, if you're building a brand, this guy is somebody you're going to want to listen to because not only do you need to have the creative aspect to build a business, you have to have the business strategies, the marketing strategies to be able to be uh, successful. So super excited to have you on the episode, brother. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, man. Super stoked to be here. So, I mean... Five companies. That's an interesting feat in of itself. Before we can, before we can get into that, I kind of want to get some context. So you don't just build five companies uh, just on a whim. There's obviously a story behind that. So let's just talk about you know when you were the 12, 13 year old version of Josh Tap. Were you thinking right out the gate you were going to be an <laughs> entrepreneur, or what was going on in that time frame? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question because honestly, my my roots in entrepreneurship are really deep. So um, my great, great, great grandfather was a was an entrepreneur and they've it's been entrepreneurs all the way through the line, even up until my father. And so it was just kind of ingrained in me to be an entrepreneur, you know, and and honestly, I didn't grow up in one of those households where they really talked about college. I knew it was an option, but it was, it, it, honestly, I didn't know if it was for me, right? I think I was like eight or nine years old. The first business I ever built, I was just trying to sell a bunch of random crap from my house that I was like, oh, hey, I could make money doing this. And if you knew where I live, I live in kind of like a farming community, or I did at the time, and maybe 20 or 30 cars would pass every hour. And so I actually put a, a stand out in front of my parents' house put a bunch of crap out there and just said stuff for sale on a white poster. And I wrote it in pencil. So you couldn't even see it. Right. Marketing lesson 101. And uh, I sat there for three days, man, over the course of three days, just kept coming out there. And I was like, man, this doesn't work. This is stupid. And then one of my parents' friends stopped and he bought like a polished rock from me. I remember this because he bought this little polished rock for me and gave me 25 cents. And it was like the coolest experience for me. I'm like, I just made money without having to work, you know, <laughs> there's something about that first sale, isn't it? It doesn't right. matter how much it is. It's just about the first sale. 
Right. And, and so, I mean, those, those first sales were like the first thing that really kind of awakened me to it. And so, you know, growing up, I had lawn care companies, I did window washing, a bunch of kind of manual labor things because my dad was actually a contractor. So he owned a construction company, grew up with a lot of that stuff. And so it, it kind of became, it started my entrepreneurial journey. And, you know, up until now where, you know, we run five different companies, um, I personally, I own all five of them. Um, I own shares in all of them, but I only currently run one of them. Um, and that's one of the lessons to, <laughs> to be learned in this is don't try to divide your attention in 12 ways. What was the biggest thing that you learned early on from that experiences, that, that experience having all these different endeavors that you tried? Every single business I had. So, you know, I had a lot of real like brick and mortar businesses is what you would call them, right? Where I was running out of my parents' garage, you know, doing lawn care or what have you. But at about 21, I actually joined a network marketing company. And that was a really eye-opening experience. And people kind of have their you know, beliefs either side of it. I personally don't believe it's a great business model, but it is an excellent place to go learn how to sell and how to really get people involved in community, which is something that I've carried on. You know, I've worked with quite a few people who've been in and, and what I call is graduated from, from that industry. That was one of the companies where I grew it. Um, we grew to a point where I was actually making a pretty good income from it. And then literally in one month, just boom, tanked, everything went away. And it was just all of my downline or whatever just kind of disappeared. They decided they didn't want to work. And I was sitting here going, I don't want to rebuild this. That was crazy amount of work. And wow. the number one lesson I learned from that was that, man, I suck at marketing. It, it kind of became this new journey for me where I said, okay, you know, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to learn how to do marketing, but I'm also going to self-educate on marketing and spend a ton of time and money and that's put me on a journey over five years to actually have spent over $150,000 outside of college on self-education. And then I did my degree and I'm actually currently in the evenings I do my MBA because I actually genuinely love education on all forms. But it became this, this lifelong learning uh, process of, of marketing because the number one skill you can have if you want to promote yourself, whether that's a business or I mean, a lot of your listeners being people who are in the dance sector, if you're wanting to be discovered, you need to perfect your craft, but even more important than that is you need to learn how to market yourself. Because if you can advertise yourself, market yourself in a way that is appealing, that's when you take off and become extremely successful. So that would be honestly the, the first lesson and, and honestly the most important lesson I've learned, I think. There's been this unspoken but implied message that the way to get success in the industry or the way to get discovered or the way to blow up is you know you need to be the best at your craft which i think is completely important but all too often i find that there are so many creatives that understand the value of being good at their craft but they have no way they don't have any clue not even any business sense to to understand how to put themselves out there they're posting on social media they're frustrated because they're not getting discovered you know i i currently especially with the worldwide dance challenge we talk to dancers all the time and they're like well you know, I'm posting videos on Instagram every day. I, I talked to a kid one time, he posted 36 videos on Instagram in one day. The answer isn't necessarily about content. It's about how you're promoting that content, you know? And I think it was Derek Halpern that, that, that talks about that a lot. He's like, all these people that are putting out content daily, he says, I'll put out one piece of content for the week and just spend most of my time promoting it. So when you talk to people about promotion or when you take a look at even small individualized brands, cause I know that you work with people that are trying to brand themselves as individuals, people that are trying to build their personal brands. 
what are one of the what's one of the biggest things that they could do right now that could they could see instant ROI? When when people are trying to brand themselves, the first thing everybody does is say, okay, I need Instagram followers. So I'm gonna pay somebody to basically hack the algorithm so I can get 10,000 Instagram followers overnight. The problem with that, it's going to take you a lot of time and a lot of money and those metrics never actually pay out. And a story on this, I actually worked with a guy, um, this was probably, I think it was the beginning of this year, he comes to me and he says, hey Josh, you know, I've got, I've got 300,000 people following me and I've never sold anything. And he wanted to sell a course for like $37 totally cheap course, right? That's and a really uh, cheap course. Really cheap, right? Because typically, you know, you sell them for a thousand bucks, 5,000 bucks, whatever you're selling it for. But he comes to me and, and I was like, okay, sweet. Let's, uh, you know, he has 300,000 followers. Let's just send out um, a few piece, pieces of social media, right? So we launched this course. We send it out to his people. Crickets, not a single sale, man, not one. And it made me realize something from the get go. It was, he had a platform, but he did not have a story and a platform that was, was helping his people to understand what he was trying to do for them. He wasn't really solving a true problem. Um, he was basically posting quotes, right? So he had a big following of people who like to see his quotes on a daily basis. But I like to use this example, right? Because I come from a network marketing background. It's kind of like when you're, when you're an audience, you know, you're an audience owner and you're trying to post to people, um, it's kind of like when, you know, your friend from high school reaches out to you after 10 years and you were never even really friends in high school and they're like, Hey, how's it going? You know, number one, if they're reaching out to you, the second message, if you respond to that is, Hey, I have a business opportunity for you. Right. <laughs> Straight up seeing so many of those. Right. Especially if you're successful in any capacity, they're like, you would be a great person for this. Right. I've been guilty so of it too. True. Right. <laughs> it's that awkward concept, right? Because They've never been sold to by, by you. They don't know your story. They, they aren't um, tied to you in the sense of they know that you're going to actually produce a result for them, right? Because all they know is you are this dumb kid in high school, right? And so when you have an audience that you've been developing and then you try to actually sell something, and we see this with musicians a lot, is they will actually get a following of people, you know, maybe a cult following of like 10,000 people who follow them. The problem is when they try to launch an album or something, those people won't buy it because they know they can get it for free on like Spotify or something, right? And so they, they run into this problem because they've built up this following and they haven't trained them to buy from them yet. They don't understand the relationships that you have. So the number one thing, and so if you're wanting to make money right off the bat, the first thing I tell everybody is build a platform. Don't you, and I'm not saying build a software or something, some crazy ridiculous thing. Make a podcast, start a YouTube channel, start Instagram, TikTok, whatever you decide you want to do. I have my personal opinions on all of those, but choose which one you want based off of the people that you follow. But um, I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn for the type of business I'm in, but you would not go on there and promote your music because that's not the audience that's there, right? right. TikTok's one of the big ones right now for the musicians, the dancers. But the reality is that if you just go on there, you're going to get lost in the masses if you just start posting dance videos. The second part of that, that equation is you need the platform, but you also need the story. So if you're familiar with the band Kiss, right? Kiss has one of the coolest stories because they played for, I think, eight or 10 years before they even got heard of. And they would play almost every single night, right? They'd be going out. So people are like, okay, so if I just go out there and post 36 videos of me dancing, <laughs> at one point I'm going to get picked up. And I mean, there is, a, there is an element of truth to that, right? Sure. But what made Kiss take off was they, they actually were about to end the band. They're about to be done. And then they finally, they had, they had this moment. I don't remember the whole transition point, but they basically 
decided to start dressing like monsters on stage. They said, hey, if we start like breathing fire and doing things like this, they then created a story. So, I mean, if you've ever seen a poster of Kiss, I'm not a fan of the band or anything, right? But like, I really love the, their concept. Everybody knows like the, the you know, yeah. the, their, their tongues out, they're doing the, the yep. rock on sign, you know, they've got white face, black, white faces. They, they look weird, right? Because up to that point, nobody had done that yet. You know, the Ozzy Osbournes of the world where he like bit the bat's head off on stage, you know, I don't condone any of this stuff. I'm just saying <laughs> it's like the story that they developed yeah. was unbelievable. You know, the Justin Bieber's, his story wasn't, Hey, I have to be something crazy weird. He was this 14 year old prodigy with cool hair right at the time, yeah. right? Whether you're a Bieber fan or not. And so a lot of these people end up becoming extremely famous because it's the story that they're bringing. And it, it's a story that's relatable. Kiss might not seem relatable, but one of the reasons Justin Bieber, and I love his story over a lot of stories is because all he did was he went and he just did covers of the top 10 songs at the time. And he would always just read every time a new top 10 song came out, he would go and he would basically do a cover for it, right? He's 14 years old. So it's just kind of this cool concept because he's young. But nowadays, you know, there's been like 10 other people since him. Yeah. Who are these young prodigies, right? So you, you almost can't copy it. This is where you have to get creative and say, what's a story that I could present, right? And if you're wanting to be, especially in the entertainment industry, it's not even always about your life story. I mean, the Taylor Swifts of the world, the reason she became successful is because they were like, they felt like real life stories. Yeah. So she was telling stories in her music. So if you're building a platform and you focus your efforts on that, on building a story or something that's just a wow factor, that's going to get you seen way quicker than you just trying to get 10 million views. Especially in the entertainment world, there's this hope of going viral. What is your take on trying to build a brand based on going viral versus the long game? Where are the benefits to that and the downfalls to that? Yeah, honestly, so virality is something that literally cannot be hacked. If you're familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk, he talks about this. He's like, there is no way to, to program virality. Otherwise it would be done. Yeah. The, the reason why people can go viral is because they've been laying groundwork for years. And so this is actually the concept that I, I personally teach to people who come to me. Right. So we work with a lot of people who are like in the podcaster space, they'll come to me, you know, they've started a show and they're having a hard time building it and they're not making money. Right. So they're freaking out because they're saying, I don't have a business that's producing a livable income. The number one problem that they're having is they are just, haphazardly throwing content on the internet. And this, this is kind of the atypical person who uh, doesn't understand this concept, right? They're just saying, okay, if I can be seen by 10,000 people, that's, that's going to do it for me. But the difference is instead of trying to get 10 million people to see it, try to build an audience of 1000 people who will follow and do everything that you put out. I have a poster of the Avengers right over here on the right hand side, right? So you're like, I am the guy who wears the Iron Man mask who does hip hop dancing, right? And there's it's actually to... people that do that. Exactly, yeah. Um, because it's, I mean, you see people wear like a weird unicorn hat or something because it's a weird wow factor and it doesn't have to be weird. It can be cool. It can be a story. It's like it, um, those, those stories that we, we hear about, you know, where um, it's a military veteran who got his arm blown off or something. And then he ends up, you know, becoming a hip hop dancer, a breakdown, I don't know, something. Something that where you're like, wow. Or like they don't have legs and they, you know, using you know, whatever they've got, they end up becoming like a professional dancer, right? Those are the stories that, that go viral quickly. But a lot of those people who even go viral, they end up disappearing because they can't do it twice. So mm -hmm. if you'll focus and, and 
the people who can go viral over and over and over and over again are the ones who understand this concept, right? They first started with getting a thousand raving fans. So these are the people who you get in your world who are, you know, like when you put out a piece of content, they always like it. They always comment on it. Uh, when, whenever you um, put out something to sell to them, they'll buy it, right? And, and a lot of people like in the dance space, for example, they don't think about treating it like a business. It's like, okay, well, if you treated it like, okay, I have all my free content, but what's something, what's something that you could sell for $10, right? Something, and it, this isn't like, go make a t-shirt, right? This is saying, hey, go out and make a PDF or, or a small video that you can sell to people. That's, that's like a course on how to do this one specific dance move. Right. So you're like, Hey, if you want this one move, that's going to, to show the ladies that you're, you're really awesome. Right. Dancing, right. You're going to, you can, you can sell that to, to your audience. Right. So if you'll focus heavily on, on getting those 1000 people into your world and you communicate with them from there, you will organically grow and scale quickly. The, the reason why you want them to be what, what's called the raving fans or the super fans, they're the type of people who they love who you are because they actually know you. And this is one of the things that a lot of people try to skimp out on when they're trying to become a prodigy, right? Yeah. <laughs> your, your entire goal needs to be one-on-one -on -one communication with people. I run five companies, right? Or I run one company. I own five companies. I, I'm a pretty busy guy. But every single day, I will be on the phone with one of the people in my audience just talking with them. I hop on a Zoom call with them and I just get in their, their mind, in their world, see what they're doing and what they're looking for. If you'll start doing this, right? So one of the things that you can ask people is saying, hey, like how about we hop on and, and we do a dance off, the two of us, right? That's why I love what you guys are doing, right? Let's do a dance off. Let's get to know each other. Or, or you bring somebody on saying, hey, like I, I give, um, uh, I, I just want to pick your brain on what, your, what you think about my, my stuff, right? So if this is somebody who's commented on your post twice, just say, hey, let's hop on a call. I just want to know what, what you think of my content. And when you start talking to these people, like, so I do it every single day. And the reason why is because I just ask them, you know, what they liked, what they haven't liked, what they think we could change. And usually they'll be like, oh, I don't know if there's anything that you can change. But if you start to ask them about what they want in order to get the result that you're trying to give them. So for example, in the dance sector, right, your entertainment, but most people who are watching you are probably saying, I want to learn how to dance better. Playing on that problem, you're like, well, what dance moves don't you know? Let me show you one right here, right? Show them how to, to, to do a sweet move. And then they've all of a sudden become your super fan. They're going to watch everything that you do. And as you become famous, they're going to be like, hey, I'm friends with this guy. Hey, I'm friends with this guy. I've talked to this guy, right? Yep. And when you do that, more and more people are going to start coming because instead of you having to go out and become viral, other people make you viral because they're going to brag about knowing you. Especially in the creative space, whether you're, again, a dancer, a performer, a singer, if you've had any aspirations of being a household name or quote unquote famous, we have been taught that the famous are untouchable. The fact of the matter is we are in a, a day and age where people are desperate for that human connection. They want to believe that you are human just like them. They want to feel like if you can do it, I can do it. But if we're not making ourselves accessible, then we are giving them an excuse to give up because they're going to say, well, they're not even accessible, that they're, they're not like me in any way, shape or form. And I think what you're talking about is so important. Find your first 10 fans. Don't worry about having 100,000 followers on Instagram. Who are the 10 people that you can serve well? Because to your point, I know people that are making tens of thousand dollars a month on using their Instagram to build a platform and they only have 3000 followers, but those 3000 followers are highly engaged people 
when you go on their posts, they've got 500 comments with 300 followers where some of these people that I've seen, even like the dancers that we serve worldwide dance challenge, they have 50,000 followers that follow them on Instagram, but you look at their posts and they might have 50 comments and they're just the fire emoji. Right. And right. that's, and that's <laughs> it. You'd start taking this marketing concept and realizing, okay, I got a product, but I got to really learn how to market it. Your network marketing company falls apart. What's next? I actually started a marketing company. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> it was one of those, those epiphany moments where I was like, what's going to be the best way that I can learn how to do this? I knew I didn't have the skill yet, but I knew I could figure it out. Right. And, and I feel like in this information age that we live in, I mean, you could, you could literally, you know, become a college professor. All you have to do is read the book, right? It's yeah. like, you just have to figure out where the information is at and understanding that concept. I actually went out and I'm like, I'm just going to start a Facebook ads agency, nothing super huge, nothing complex. And there's tons of people doing it and succeeding. So I'm not trying to create a billion dollar company up front, right? I said, let's start here. And it was a roller coaster, man. Three years of like, yay, huge wins. I'm making tons of money. And then I'd be broke. Right. And I'm married. So like when you're taking care of somebody else, there's a lot of fear in that, right? So I, um, I want to stop there for just really a quick second. Yeah. I don't mean to interrupt you, but you said something really important. Your network marketing company fails. You make right. the decision to not go get a job. You make the decision that, that I'm going to start an agency. And in that decision, you still have ups and downs. And it wasn't ups and downs for six months. It wasn't that you posted five videos on Instagram, didn't get a following that you wanted. So you mean you're going to give up on your decision. What was it that gave you permission to not quit? I have an extremely supportive wife. That's what helps. I know some people don't have that, but my wife has been willing to work to provide for us. And she did. She had her degree as well. So she just was working for us. I was having a sugar mama situation. And most people, <laughs> <laughs> most people don't have that, uh, you know, I guess that luck. But a lot of people I work with do have this problem, you know, where their wife is or, you know, their significant other, whether, you know, whatever gender you are. Um, your significant other isn't um, supportive of it. So the one thing I always recommend to people when they're starting, because you do bring up a good point, is never try to do something full time until you have at least three to six months of savings ready to go. So if you'll do that, it takes all of the risk out of business because most people are like, oh, how are you so brave? You know, you can start a company. It's like, oh, well, my wife was taking care of us. You know, like I didn't have like a lot of risk. She gave me deadlines. She's like, I mean, if you're not making enough money, like at some point you've got to step out. And through the ups and downs, she was always there, you know, helping coach me as far as like, hey, this is where we should be. But that's the thing I recommend to most people is just start it in evenings, commit one to two hours a night, right? And that's something that everybody can do. Cancel your Netflix subscription for three months and try it out, right? And if you'll do that for three months, you're going to see a return. I mean, for us, so basically what happened is I didn't make a single penny for eight months. And it was because um, I was actually trying to figure out how to do the marketing. So I went to some people I knew who owned businesses and said, hey, I will advertise for you for free. All you have to do is cover the ad spend, right? So I was basically learning how to do something using their money. And the cool thing is I was getting good results for them. And then at the end of the eight months, many of them were actually handing me cash saying, Hey, thanks. You know, here's, here's a kickback for what you were doing. But that basically took us to where we were, you know, I was constantly selling and trying to get these new clients. And then we were able to establish rates, you know, where we're making $1,500 a month with one client. It took me like 15 minutes a week. And I was like, Whoa, okay. This is when money starts to get big. But the problem I ran into after that was that my entire life was selling. I was constantly trying mm -hmm. to get new clients. 
and I realized at that point that it was, I didn't have a brand. I didn't have a following. Nobody really knew who I was. And that's where the lucky Titan was born. That's when we really started this company that we currently run and how we've brand ourselves here. Was that three years when you started to feel like, okay, we have a company. When was it to the point where you went from, okay, we have a company to, okay, this thing is actually working. When did you feel like you really had something that was like legit here to stay? It came in an unorthodox way. We had a big thing hit our company. Like we lost a ton of our clients, um, the economy, and there was actually some regulation change with some of the clients we were working with. So they couldn't advertise on using our methods, right? Like with Facebook. And so we really got to this point where I was like, man, do I really want to like rebuild this whole thing again? Like it's going to take, because we kept building it to where it was like, Hey, we're almost to six figures in revenue. And then it would die down. We're almost to six figures in revenue. We're going to die down. And at the time I was sitting here just saying, okay, I don't really love having to find the clients all the time. Really what happens is you come to a point sometimes in your business where you realize the relationship that you have isn't what you want. And for me, what I realized um, I loved onboarding clients and teaching them the marketing. I was really good at it, you know, not to pat myself on the back, right? But it was like, I could help them understand the strategy. I could help train them and train their teams and get them results. But I didn't like doing the marketing side of it itself. But then I was, I was just really not happy with, they were never happy with the results. It was becoming this point where it was just a slog. I realized pretty quickly that it was because I was outreaching two people. And I actually, it did, this did not come off of my brain, right? This wasn't that just came into my head. It was, I was sitting in a mastermind um, with some multimillionaire people paid to be in it. I was really excited to be there. Uh, they, they would always ask, as you had to say, what was your biggest win this month? And then what was your biggest failure? When I was sharing my biggest failure, I was like, honestly, I just don't really love what I'm doing. And these people um, end up coming to me and saying, okay, instead of focusing your efforts on just building your company. Like, what is it that you really want to do? What are your strengths? And it came down to me. I was like, I, I'm really good at teaching people how to do it and how to strategize and at teaching tactics, honestly. Now, I know that there is a, a part in your journey where you started to realize the power of partnerships. When did you realize this power and what were the results that you guys started to get with your business as a result of this? Right at this time when I decided to start the Lucky Titan, I I actually made a big move and basically cut my, my pay down 90% by handing most of the company off to my partner and saying, Hey, here you go. <laughs> kind of thing. I had to make money quickly, but I also was like, I'm going to do this right. So I started a podcast. I'd always wanted to do it. Um, started interviewing some really amazing people and uh, learning what they were doing in, in the business realm. And one of the, the things that I learned pretty quickly was that the, the methods that I was using for these brick and mortar businesses really were hard to make work online. The, the point that we had come to was saying, okay, instead of me having to be the salesman all the time, how can I build something where people start to come to me, right? And, and that's like the dream business, right? But it's really not as far away as you would think. What I realized pretty quickly was that all, after interviewing all these really successful people, because I was asking them legitimate questions, I still do this. I'm like, this is a legitimate question I have, what's the answer? I would say probably 95% of them were, they would never talk about Facebook ads or Google ads or any of those things. They said, it's the joint venture partnerships. And I'm like, what? You know, like, well, what is this? You know, I get this concept, like I understood kind of what it was, but I'm like, it can't be that productive. So I ended up trying it. So we tried it in another company I had become a part of. Um, that's one of the companies that I'm part of. It's in the travel space. I decided to try it, try it there. So we had 50,000 people 
in this company, I was basically just coming on as, as a marketing consultant, if that makes sense for equity. We decided to try this joint venture. This is one that one of the people came on my show and talked about. I'm like, let's try it. We go out, we find four other people and we basically did a giveaway with all five of us. We all emailed our lists and anybody who opted in for the giveaway, we all got to keep their email. And I kid you not, Jesse, we got 30,000 emails in one week. If I had tried to do that in my marketing business, that would have cost us $40,000, $50,000 to be able to get that many people onto a list, let alone buy anything from you. And that, that's really when it opened my mind to the, to the concept. And since then, we've been doing summits and a bunch of other different types of joint ventures that have helped us to scale quickly because instead of spending money, we focus on let's make strategic partnerships. And from those partnerships, the results come. And honestly, especially like talking in the dance perspective here as well, be thinking about that instead of trying to be like the solopreneur who does everything by themselves, find partners and you'll succeed 10 times faster because you can pull resources. I talk about collaborations and partnerships all the time. You know, Worldwide Dance Challenge happened because of a partnership. Every creative needs their, they need their logical thinking counterpart. One, it's really important for people to realize that if you're the creative, there's somebody out there that knows how to do all the logical stuff, the, the, whether it's marketing, whether it's the organization, your downside, that if you were to find the right person to get behind you, you'll go so much further because you have somebody that's filling in your weaknesses. The other thing is I feel like there's so many people that run around with this mentality that they want to have all the pie to themselves. So they're afraid to reach out to people and say, Hey, let's collaborate on this. There's just so many people that are afraid that they are giving away too much. And because they do that, they're missing out on all the opportunity that they have to actually grow the audience. So what are your clients starting to see now that they're starting to do these joint venture projects? Uh, there's a lot of answers to that question, but one of the biggest things I think overarching for all of them that they've realized is that instead of having to have like a $10 million marketing budget, they can cut it back down to like nothing <laughs> and just pay somebody to make relationships, right? It's one of those things that you just kind of know you're supposed to do, but nobody ever does it because it seems like this big, hard, ridiculous thing. And so what I've been trying to do is teach to people is like, let me give you a template. Let me give you a structure so that you can just follow these four or five steps in like 15 minutes a day and create these really awesome partnerships. And I'll just put this in perspective because a lot of newer business owners who come to us, they're like, okay, but can I speed this up with Facebook ads? And I always tell people, no, I'm like, if you can't do it without spending money, what's the point in spending money? It's just going to be thrown to the wind. Yeah. Most of them who are coming to us are saying, okay, the number one thing they've realized is I did not realize I could sit down with a billionaire when I was worth nothing. And that's the biggest realization that most people need to realize. You even touched on this earlier in the, uh, the entertainment space. You know, these Robert Downey juniors, people like that, where you're like, Whoa, I could never sit down with them. Believe it or not, they will come and sit down with you. If you give them a platform to stand on mm. that's I, I promote podcasts all day, every day, because it's the easiest way to get somebody who's worth a ton of money to sit down with you without having to spend any money. Most of them won't even require a fee to, to sit down on your show. Performers, creatives, they can get so much more mileage out of their content if they would partner with some people because you could have a dancer that partners with a musician, an artist partner with a dancer. And there's just so many different ways that people could get creative that in some ways could actually up their chances of going viral for one, but right. also it gives them the ability to tap into different audiences. So you're talking about joint venture partnerships because you guys built a 30,000 person emailing list because you had five people come to the table 
and you had five different audiences that were a part of this whole thing and you get to tap into all these audiences and it's just the quickest way to start to gain a bigger audience. More people be aware of who you are and also just ups your chances of being able to either be discovered, book jobs, whatever the deal may be. So if people wanted to learn more about how you have created so many different ways to create these valuable joint partnerships or they just wanna learn more about you, where, where do they find you? What, what social media channels are you hanging out with? Yeah, that's a really great question, man. Honestly, the best way to connect with me is just to go to the lucky um, I've got all of my social links and everything over there. Um, on one of the easiest ways for me to be able to work with people and, and help them out instead of you having to come to me and pay a huge retainer fee, I really focus on just helping get you into communities of people who are, are doing what you're trying to do and I can coach as a group. So we do that a lot. We have free communities and everything. Everything's over at the but we're actually launching a summit for a lot of you who are probably saying, okay, like how would I actually do this in the, especially in the dance sector? This is one of the easiest places to be able to learn how to do that. I've interviewed 30 different entrepreneurs in various spaces, and they're talking about if they had no cash and they had to build out an audience and make a livable income for their family in 90 days, what would they do? And you would be blown away at some of the things people are saying. It's a free summit. So make sure you come and check that out. It's all over at theluckytitan.com. Man, I just appreciate you so much. I appreciate you coming on. I know that there was a ton of value here. If you are a performer, if you are creative that is looking to get outside of your own head, think outside of the box and how you can take your passion, turn it into profit. Make sure you listen to this over and over, take notes. And the biggest thing is take action, get a result make adjustments, repeat. But again, Josh, thanks for adding so much value to my audience and uh, coming on this show. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the My Creative District podcast with your host, Jesse Paul Smith. Here, we turn your passion into profit. Follow us on Facebook and stay tuned for another episode of the My Creative District podcast.